0: Welcome to The Emergent Ecosystem, a Zimbabwean podcast about ecosystems, how they support our livelihoods, and how we can steward them to create a better future. I'm your host, Scott Richardson. If you'd like to receive each episode in your inbox, email Ecosystem at gmail.com to request being added to the mailing list. Alternatively, you can find The Emergent Ecosystem on most podcast apps. We rely on complex systems for our various basic needs, but as we heard last week, these systems are unpredictable. So how do we organize ourselves to ensure that current and future generations can meet their needs? This week is the second of a two-part series on sustainable leadership in complex systems with Jean-Paul Baron Bonagie, who works as a sustainable leadership consultant. This episode can stand alone, but for more depth, Find part one on your podcast app or at www.theemergentecosystem.podbean.com. Otherwise, here's a recap of the last episode.
1: So the sustainability side is like, how do we create systems, maintain systems that can continue for generations to come, especially at the main system being the ecological system and then the social systems, that's an embedded system. And then within that, you know, the economic system, which should actually be the smaller system. And then leadership? It's how we can create a sustainable future. Like how do we need to organize? The main focus is around participatory processes. We work much more with open questions as opposed to like going to achieve a target, which was predefined. Now, the, the challenges that we face in the world right now are of a complex nature. The problems which are interconnected are growing exponentially. Let's just look at different systems. There's a simple system, which is linear. You apply force onto something and it makes it move, for example. That's a simple system. Then you get a complicated system, it is where you're trying to build an airplane, for example, or a computer, where you know there are many different parts that fit together. In order to create a particular outcome, it's much more difficult than a linear system, but, you know, that's where you get experts. Then we have complex systems. Now, complex systems tend to be much more of our natural systems, like our ecosystems, our social systems, our planetary systems. Many, many different things come into play. And you can't predict it. A complex system has a property called emergence. The whole is more than the sum of its parts. A complex system has feedback loops. Positive feedback, which is what creates emergent or evolution, and negative feedback, which is sustaining things in the same way. When you're trying to do outcomes, when people do business or even government, there isn't room for new ideas or new thinking to emerge. When you can get many people together and then you bring all the different understandings of reality, all the rest together, then you can get something unpredictable, which will be at a higher level of order than if it was just like stuck to like, okay, this is what we need to achieve. And then, sorry, the last system, it's chaos. Chaos is is collapse.
0: Then Jean-Paul left us with this question, which he'll answer in this show.
1: So... How do we bring this understanding that we've just talked about of yes. like complex systems and emergence and all the rest? How do you bring that to a group of diverse actors who all have their own self-interest?
0: And that's where we start this week.
1: There's the landscape, the living landscape that we're part of. We also want to envision something where we're all looked after, plus the other creatures that live there, the animals, the wildlife, and the generations to come, you know, children and grandchildren. So, how do we create processes where it's not just one one dominant character because they have this role, them dominating and others just being subservient to that? How do we create dialogue where People get out of the space of just self-interest and start understanding each other's interests and then the collective interest of, well, if we all continue pulling different ways, it's just going to get worse and worse and actually is going to bring increased conflict. So it's really like starting some very deep generative conversations where you start generating new possibilities, you start generating new insights, you start generating lessons from the past, which one of the key parts of it is like reflecting on the past. A lot of people and organizations, the way that they operate, they want to be streamlined so that they can reach their targets faster, they can grow faster, grow their profits, grow their reach. But losing touch of like, well, is their bigger story
0: that we're part of? You find it difficult in Zimbabwe to deliver
1: this kind of help because people are hoping for a quick answer. Exactly. So that's what I found in the last few years I've been in Zimbabwe is that I've found it hard to convey this perspective which is which really takes like this time that I'm really um, you know, honored to be able to be part of is It takes a a big open conversation to really dig deeper. And I feel that in Zimbabwe, busyness, a lot of the survival kind of mentality because we have a lot of the chaos that I was talking about. You know, how do you react so that you can just stay afloat, you can continue going, you know? So the bigger picture thinking, it's hard to convey to people or organizations here because they want something that will keep them afloat or give them quick solution, quick profit, but without really diving deeper and taking that time out and saying, hold on, let's pause. Let's stop. Boom. So that's one of the points I want to go into is like one of the organizations that I work with, they very much bring that into their processes, that they have a review like three times a year, for example. And it's a review where they really get to reflect more deeply on what's happening on an individual level, the struggles people are going through, especially with this whole lockdown period, which has been really hard on people. So there's this kind of space for really opening up for self-reflection, for for being vulnerable. And I think that's one of the things that we need to embrace more here, not being afraid to be vulnerable. We build these thick-skinned, big layer around ourselves because you know it's a volatile environment and different things have happened and all the rest you can say there's a breakdown of trust and that's one of the key ingredients in terms of social sustainability that's been found through research is that trust is the fundamental thing to be able to really go forward and envision a future together if there isn't trust it's very hard because people are going to resort back to self-interest and survival of them and their loved ones around so to go back to, to what I was saying, it's like that opening the space of vulnerability, being able to say the struggles that you have personally inside an organisation is a huge step already that, you know, there's a self-reflection, there's a reflection in groups and teams. What if successes has been achievement? But also like, where have we fallen short and why have we fallen short? And then... From there, seeing like, oh, okay, maybe this department could have worked more closely with that one, or how can I ask for help? I've got a portfolio project. How is that connected to some other project inside the organization? So how do we create this space? Yeah, so what practical tools can you offer? I'm a yoga teacher. That's one of the things that I also do. Okay. So that's linked to mindfulness and being present in the world, which is very important part of all this for me i also do process design to create processes around collaborations or around unlocking blocked kind of energy inside an organization or between people who want to collaborate together i also do strategic sustainability planning which is using a framework that was designed by the professors of the university of sweden where i studied It's been peer-reviewed by scientists as one of the frameworks that's been used with municipalities as well as with big companies like IBM, with McDonald's in Sweden it has been used by very top players, actually, this framework. It's a strategic sustainable development framework. So I can also bring that, you know, to to see how an organisation can really become more sustainable environmentally, socially, But also financially, in many cases, using true kind of systems-based sustainability, you can also increase the profit. Sure. But it doesn't look at only the profit. It also looks at how fulfilled people are, because by people being more fulfilled at work, there's higher retention. There's higher development of skills. There's a higher input of new ideas. So it just creates a much deeper momentum to move forward when people feel engaged and when they feel that their values are connected to the organizational values. So I work with also like visioning processes, developing values inside the organization, mission and all the rest, but like alignment, alignment between personal and organizational values. Also with work with permaculture design. I've done like three permaculture courses. I've co-taught some okay, amongst those three. You know, the thinking that comes from permaculture, which is very linked to that. It's all based on holistic and systems thinking, looking at how all the different forces in the systems interact so that you can harness them in the best way ever. Like, how can you really look at the wind and the water and the soil and the, and the human forces as well to create much more bountiful systems? So we work with that as well, permaculture design. Yeah, and as I said, systems thinking, that's linked to the other thing. So those are the main things that you could say is process design, strategic sustainability thinking, systems thinking, and permaculture design. One last example, maybe. Yeah, like. carry on. I worked in South Africa with an organisation called Living Lands, which is around a living landscape. And there was like the municipality, a local government, and there was the greater government, which is Port Elizabeth, Then there were different local communities and there were new resettled farmers and then there were like all traditional commercial farmers all on this very, in quite a small landscape in one area of the Klein Karoo. Small Karoo. Yeah. So up till then, you know, the interactions that communities and small farmers had had with the municipality was one where municipality people came and it was just like Ceremonial process, ceremonial meeting, where where people would show up because they had to show up and because there was going to be a lunch. But the thing it was like you know the municipal leaders were up on their podium, predefined speeches, and there was already predecided what was happening, and the voices. Of the people there, of what was happening, what they were seeing, the changes in the landscape, the social issues, whether it was alcoholism or crime or teenage problems, all the rest, you know, were not even made visible because there was no space for it. So we did a process, and and I helped to design it, actually, where we got everyone on an equal footing. And sure, the municipal people got to introduce themselves, but they didn't take up all the space. They were one of the circle. And that's why we use circle a lot in participatory processes where people actually physically sit in a circle. They're not like sitting, looking at someone else's back, looking at someone who's up there on a platform. But everyone is sitting around the circle, not looking over everyone else. Everyone can see every single other person and can make eye contact. And that's fundamental, actually. When all you're looking at is one point of interest, which is the person on the highest chair that already creates a power dynamic, which is invisible, but very visible. So here we brought everyone on the same level, including this NGO called living lands, but we didn't take up space. What we did like it's the role of the facilitator facilitate is not the same as a moderator. So moderating comes from more reductionist mechanistic model. Okay, you can speak, now you can speak, now you can speak. They kind of control the flow. Yes, yeah. A facilitator comes from the Latin and French word facile, which means to make easy. Yes. How do you make things easy? So a facilitator comes and they hold space, so to speak. They hold space so that everyone's voices is held around the collective purpose, which is at the center of the circle. It's like the hub of the circle and... People make up the rim of the circle, and it draws people in towards that collective purpose, as opposed to looking up to one person who's the circle leader or the one who's going to deliver, you know, the sermon or who who know who has all the knowledge. And this way it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything when you facilitate that space because you can change the dynamics and people who've never been listened to in a group setting. And there may be community leaders inside their family or inside their community, but like they've never been heard from maybe like the the municipal leader or maybe the commercial farmer in that context I'm talking about, or the top municipal person from Port Elizabeth. Suddenly they're able to bring their knowledge. And we did a visualization process where they envision what the future looked like and they had to envision the relationships between people, how they would walk out their house, how they would greet each other, what they saw outside, how they would feel when they were out there. And then we did an envisioning process where we looked at, well, what is the reality you would like? What is the current reality? How do you get there? So I make use of big group process, breaking up into small groups and then into sometimes singles, duos, triads. And when you have that, it's just like when you're sitting at a cafe. Suddenly you have these amazing conversations because it's a small group where there's a space for everyone to speak. And especially if they're already guiding principles like, okay, like make sure that you listen to understand, that you try to pick up the thread of where things are going. You know, the traditional school thing is like, Let me blurt out the answer first because all that matters is like who can come up with the right answer? It's not about the right answer anymore. It's about asking the right questions. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I think that whole shift from having the correct answer to having the correct questions is so fundamental. And opening space and connecting people around context or purpose or inquiry as opposed to getting everyone to listen to the speaker sure yeah that's a big thing and that that shifts everything inside processes
0: another thing you mentioned earlier was the vision for the future Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so how does that come
1: into it so the vision for the future is for me it's like how do we co-create new visions for the future which are not based on the constraints of what we have now so right now, you know, some people have a lot of hope, but there's at the same time a lot of despondency. There's a lot of negativity or sense of hopelessness based on, you know, the current situation and trends, the way things have been going and many different levels of order in society. You know, I'm not just going to talk, you know, as, a, as someone who's passionate about the planet or, you know, sustainability. For me, it's not just about the climate. Everything is connected. There's all these different trends that do give a pessimistic picture if we continue in that direction. So how do we co-create and envision completely new futures which are not bounded by our current and our limited ways of thinking about what is possible? So how do we open the possibility for let's say, regenerative futures for much greater levels of well-being. Maybe futures where people have to work less and they have a lot more time to build relationships. I mean, like being related to the world around them, even simplify their life so that it's not just about busyness so that you can escape into pleasure and leisure, but like how do we create a much deeper balance inside our work leisure relationships And you know, amongst each other. So how can we co-create vision together? Because it's not about one person's vision. It's not about a Bill Gates's vision of the world. It's not about a, a president's vision of the world or like environmental leaders. I'm just picking examples at random, but basically like the old school of leadership. For me, leadership is quite different, but you know, the old school leadership, there's this visionary leader, one person, everyone follows this person. For me, We need to move forward to understand that everyone needs to be part of the conversation. Many different groups need to understand water is precious, the air we breathe is precious, the land, we need to maintain it. How can we come together around these things, basically, as opposed to like one person gives the recipe and everyone just follows? We've seen that that doesn't necessarily work and that it also makes people in many ways powerless.
0: You sort of imagine a future with a more collaborative style of leadership, but more generally, what's your vision of the future? What would be your best
1: What would future? it look like?
0: Yeah, what would your best future look like? Uh,
1: yeah, my best future, I would say, is where things are much more decentralized. So moving away the from the hegemonic hierarchical models of society towards much more decentralised smaller units, which are connected to other units. Still, it's like a kind of network system, which is like how ecosystems work. You know, we talk about the network economy and you know, a lot of the internet is, is network thinking, but the fundamental network is our ecosystems. Actually, if we look at it, and how they work when they're not completely disrupted by us so yeah i would see more there's much more local knowledge there's much more um local culture which is a play which is an evolving concept as well culture yeah, you know? yeah. but it's it's around like you know what is the bioregion this concept of the bioregion that you live in what resources are available what are the tools the technologies the knowledge of the plants of all the rest what's available like is it a very sunny area well let's use the sun our energy the place which is very windy let's use the wind so really being in tune with the environment it's not just this completely you know disconnected society of everyone's just a stranger and everyone's just pushing for their interest in different directions but things operate much more within a local sphere, which doesn't mean that they're not connected to the rest because knowledge and exchanges and collaborations are still fundamental between communities. But I see, let's say, a future where there's a lot more types of eco-villages, creating new types of ecological villages using these kinds of knowledge and technologies. I see a lot more of that happening and much less of the mega scale developments which push people towards cities where resource is far greater than in the countryside or in decentralized places even within cities more bio neighborhoods you could call them in other words like local markets less commuting less global travel for meetings that could be done in other ways community plays a big part of it and people look around them to see who's there and what's there and how they can build together with with what's around them yeah
0: okay brilliant
1: is there any way that people
0: could find out more about what you do or get in contact with you perhaps sure
1: i'm actually building My website for my consultancy, which is working around all these issues, really. It's called Inspiral Consultancy. Inspiral Consultancy. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's InspiralConsultancy.org. Inspiral because for me, like patterns, the whole thing of the spiral is one of the fundamental patterns in the universe and and on Earth. So many things in terms of how they they The function
0: shape, Yeah.
1: Yeah also in spiral because it's about inspiration inside spiral so so okay. there's my site and I'm also always happy to to answer questions but also be part of collaborations and like I'm always yearning to collaborate co-create or help to unlock maybe a block situation within a group of people who want to do something great together or any ideas that someone may have that they're not quite sure how to go about. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to help move it forward, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Thanks so much for being on the show. Great. Thank you very much for hosting me. that has been a fun. pleasure. Thank you.
0: That was Jean-Paul Baron Bonagi, Sustainable Leadership Consultant. I hope this episode has given you a new perspective on how to create changes in your communities for the good of everyone in ways that cannot be predicted. If you'd like to receive each episode in your inbox, email ecosystem at gmail.com to request being added to the mailing list. Alternatively, you can find the Emergent Ecosystem on most podcast apps. Thanks to Kevin Hansen for the music and thank you for listening. Until next time,
1: cheers.